Well, good morning. How is everybody today? Good? Everybody in a good mood? Some of you in a bad mood? All right. So-so. How many in a so-so mood? Okay. Well, as Clint, Clint mentioned, uh, Jason and Laura are out uh, this week. You know, sometimes life just kind of overwhelms you, doesn't it? Everything that's going on, it kind of just hits you like a ton of bricks. It happens sometimes, doesn't it? We have those good weeks. We have those bad weeks. And somehow we've got to figure out how to make it through it all. And sometimes it's good just to kind of get away from it all, to kind of go back, take some time, relax, and refocus and re-energize. So that's kind of what Jason and Laura are doing. They're kind of spending a little bit of time with themselves, refocusing, and kind of charting out a little bit of what's going to be coming ahead. For us, we're, we're here. We're excited to be here. We're glad. We are glad that you're here. And today's topic is joy. You know, it's, it's one of those type of things, I don't know if it's a joyous occasion or not, but basically when I found out that Lee, can you preach, was Wednesday night. <laughs> so that's my one caveat. I did the best I could on just a couple of days. So, so it's like, well, it's, it is what it is. So unfortunately, the hardest part of my sermon was my intro because I really didn't have one. So that's my intro. So, so we'll go to the first slide. So when we've been looking at this idea of core principles, what we have here is, well, I want to take us back just a little bit, okay? Because Galatians tells us is that we need to be spirit-filled. We need to be, have the mind of the spirit in us. And what I want to challenge us is really that when we're talking about these core things, first and foremost, it's about the spirit, right? These are, these are things that, that we get because we have the Spirit. I don't know if that's really a good term that we get. These are things that you see when we have the Spirit. So that's important. So we're going to look at, and I think each week when we come and we're looking at these passages, remind yourself, this is being Spirit-filled. That's important. Because we can be joyous, we can have love, we can have peace, we can be self-controlled. Th those are all wonderful things in and of themselves. But first and foremost, we have them because we have the Spirit. And that's important. So in Galatians, Paul is primarily concerned with the way in which the Spirit's work is made manifest in the community. So how is that Spirit working in here among us in the community? So as we look at the next one, really the, the, the question that we have is, in Galatians, we're talking about two things. We're talking about this spirit nature versus the sinful nature, right? That's what he's, he's looking at. So if you look at Galatians 5, verse 17, what are we going to see? For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. You get that? He's contrasting those two things in Galatians. The sinful nature... And this nature that's being spirit-filled. Those are at, can you say at odds with one another? They want different things. And when you read the lists, they're very, very different. And Paul says, you can't really have both. You can't say, I want the spirit, but I want all the sinful things too. He says that doesn't happen. And that 
that's nothing new, is it? I mean, have we heard that before? Have you read that before you got to Galatians? Yeah, everybody nod your head. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What did Jesus have to say about that? In Matthew, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. Right? You can't do both. He says you're going to go one way or the other. The same is very true with this idea of being spirit-filled and having the nature, this sinful nature. Now, we do live in a fallen world, right? Yeah, we do. We look out there and there's, there's issues going on. Um, we just look in Albuquerque over the last, what, three, two months, three months, last year, We've seen a lot of really horrible, horrible things happen because sin is in the world. So the easy answer to that is what? Just don't sin. Okay, I'm done. You guys going to buy that? Yeah, it's true. Don't do it. But it's not that easy, is it? (laughs) Because sin is easy. That's the problem. (laughs) It is easy easy sometimes walking the hard life that's you know that that narrow path it's hard so it's not just as simple as me saying it there there's more to that so i think we've lost our slides and that's okay so if you got your bibles there it comes up again galatians 5 what are these fruit of the spirit now remember it is singular the fruit of the spirit is what love joy peace patience good kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and as I pick on Shauna Reinert, as the kids would say, the last one, self-control! I love that song, and I, he would tease her all the time about that. Is, that's the one we scream on, is self-control, which I never quite figured that one out, why we scream on self-control. But it is. But that's where we start with. Paul says, if you live in the Spirit, these things you will become. These are things that, that will start to embed us. So I've heard, I think it's about you know, seven, eight times something becomes a habit, right? If you keep doing it and doing it and doing it, it becomes a habit. Well, that's the way it is. With, with these things, as we start getting into them, we will do it. Let me take you back. So back when Riley was in the eighth grade, we went on a mission trip to Abilene. And we went to go work with the, uh, something called Love and Care Ministries in Abilene. And that's, that's a ministry that deals with the homeless. And you're thinking... We went all the way to Abilene to work with the homeless. Well, yeah. Um, but they have a program that we, we get involved in. And Abilene, which you wouldn't think about it, really has an extremely high homeless population. It's on a major interstate route, and it's on a major train route from east to west. So there is a lot of homeless, and they're just there. And I'm not necessarily now talking about all the people sitting on the corners panhandling. I mean just truly, you know, they had a thing called, a, uh, was it Hobo Junction? Honestly, down by the train tracks, that's just where they lived. They'd have their little camps and stuff set up. So we went there for the week, and we learned a lot. We, would, we got there, and we <laughs> got to the place, and we had a nice dinner. Actually, we ate dinner, then we went to the place, and, and the, the director of the Love and Care talked to us, and he says, okay, get your suitcases. So all the kids got their suitcases, and we had, I don't know, 22, 23 teenagers with us, 8th graders, 24 with us. And they said, okay, when you go to where you're sleeping tonight here, uh, open up your suitcase and you get one thing. 
that's all. They said, what do you mean? I mean, you get one thing. Choose wisely. If you want a toothbrush, that's great. Grab a toothbrush, but you don't get toothpaste. If you want toothpaste, but not a toothbrush, okay. If you want a clean pair of underwear, get a clean pair of underwear, but you get nothing else. So we went back to our rooms. We got our one thing, and we went to bed, and we got up in the morning, and we went out, and we told the kids, okay, get your luggage. Let's go. They went, what do you mean, get your luggage? They said, get your luggage. Let's go. Because guess what? Homeless people don't have homes. And the kids were like, huh? They don't have homes. So whatever they own, they take with them. So we got their stuff, and we headed all across town, and they dropped us at a park, and they said, we'll see you. And we had to walk back. And it was three miles, four miles. They do it different every year. Donna went. They dropped them out, oh, like 15 miles to another town. Okay, so we walked. And then we got back, and we ate some lunch, and the kids were like, oh, we're tired. And the director says, okay, good night. We'll see you in the morning. Well, what about a shower? Good night. We'll see you in the morning. So we went, spent the night. We got up in the morning. We went back at it again. Okay, imagine being with four stinky boys. It wasn't good. But you know what? The homeless don't do it either. They don't get to go take a shower every morning. So we spent that week dealing with that, and we worked with them, and we worked with the homeless, and we were there talking with them. And what's interesting about this whole thing is we came back on that Saturday after a week there. We got back, and Donna picked us up, and we were driving back, and Riley and I were talking, and we went, oh, there's a guy who's homeless. I was like, what? I went, oh, there's a guy over there who's homeless. Again, not the guys on the corners with the signs. And she says, how did you see that? And we said, because we were there, and we saw it, and we were able to see it. And what's interesting is once you live in something, you're able to see it, and you'd be able to recognize it. And that's kind of how these things, the fruit of the Spirit is. It's something that's kind of there. So I do have a question for you first. We have a couple questions. So first question is, what is joy? Because that's the one we're talking about today. What's joy? Okay, a couple definitions. A happy state comes from knowing and serving God. Okay, well, maybe we can buy that. Joy has more to do with remaining in the presence of Jesus than avoiding problems and struggles in our lives. Okay? You good with that one? How about this one? G joy is the satisfaction that comes when we find what we are looking for. You, you kind of get that? Does that harken you back to some of the parables about the lady who's sweeping her house looking for the coin? The person who's lost the sheep? Yeah, that kind of reminds that. So, are joy and happiness the same thing? They're pretty close, though, aren't they? They're, they're, I mean, would you say I'm joyous and I'm happy and mean the same thing? Well, languages is kind of hard because we speak English and the Bible wasn't written in English. So we kind of have to interpret those things. Okay, so we get the lead definition because I'm preaching and that's what we get to do. Happiness, well, to me, sometimes that can be quick. It can be fleeting. Okay, Paige is not in here now, so we can talk about her. You know, so you all know I've preached several times, and, you know, she's the volleyball player. So when we go to a volleyball game, and the girls do well, they play well, we're happy, right? We're excited. They've played well. They've beat the other team. They beat a team they weren't supposed to be. We are happy. Okay, then we go to some games, because 
they're teenage girls, and they don't play that well, and they don't look very good, and they lose, and we're not happy. Does that make sense? You guys kind of been in that situation? Maybe, kind of. But I have joy that I get to watch her play. I have joy that we have this time together. Win or lose, we get to be there and watch them girls play and watch my daughter play. And to me, that's how I would define joy, is my happiness is going to come and go. I mean, not to, you know, those guys always have to use sports analogies. Some people in the country are really happy today, right? Not Baird, sorry. Um, the Cubs won, right? But if you're a Dodger fan, the Dodgers lost. So are you happy? But are you joyous that your teams have done well this year? Are you joyous that you have these times? That's, that's the lead definition, okay? This joy, to me, is a little bit bigger a little bit broader and it doesn't necessarily hinge on one thing happening okay so the next question that we have is joy something we search for or is joy something we gain okay what are we studying again right the core practice is about the fruit of the spirit so how do you get fruit right comes from a tree right how do you get a tree Okay, no, you don't go to Lowe's, buy the thing, and plant it in the ground. That's not how you get a tree. That's how we get a tree. But that's not how it gets started, right? Where do you start with? A seed. And how big is a seed? It's pretty small. And you plant that seed, right? And what do you got to do? You got to take care of it. You got to water it. And it grows. And so really what, within about three or four months, you should be getting fruit? No? That's not how it works, right? So really, in about a year or two, you should be getting fruit, right? No. It takes time, right? Because the tree's got to develop. The tree's got to mature. Oh, there's that horrible word. The tree's got to mature. Okay, we can think of other things that maybe don't take as long as a tree. Anybody planted a garden, right? Anybody planted zucchini? I've done that. Okay, you plant the seed, and what do you do? Water it. What happens? A couple little things. So really within a week or two, you have squash, right, and zucchini and bugs. No, it takes what? It takes a couple of months. That's much shorter than a tree, but the life cycle of a zucchini bush is not that long, right? It lives like, what, maybe three, four months, and then it dies, and it's, it's gone. A tree's life is much longer. Relatively speaking, what we're talking about is that you don't get fruit immediately. It takes time. Let me give you a theological analogy. I told it to Donna last night, and she kind of raised her eyebrow. So I knew I have to work on it. Joy is not like salvation. And you guys are giving me the same look that she gave me. Joy is not like salvation. So when you're saved, when do you get salvation? Just like that, right? There is none of this. Well, I, I think I'm saved. I don't know if I'm saved. Maybe in six months I'm going to be saved. No. When you're saved, you're saved. And that's all there is to it, right? It's immediate. Jesus didn't say, I came to die on the cross for you so that after you come to me and convert to me, in about six months to a year, you will have salvation. He says, I came that you will know me and be saved now. Well, sometimes joy is not that way. 
Because when you're baptized and you're saved and you get this newness, you got to do what? You got to go back in that world that's a fallen and sinful world. And it's hard. And sometimes the joy and the happiness are not there right away. So it's not like that. So do we search for it? I know um, <laughs> how I thought, doesn't Hollywood love search stories? Don't they? I, I remember when I was in high school, I had a date, took a girl to the movie. We went to go see Raiders of the Lost Ark. What a great search movie, right? We're looking for the lost ark of God. And they eventually found it. And what did they do with it? Put it in a warehouse and left it alone. That was a great search movie. So, is that what we're doing? With, we're, we're going through life searching to find joy. Hey, maybe I can go over here and find joy. Maybe I can go over here. Or, is joy something we find that we gain when we're on this journey? Possibly. Is that what we're doing? All of the fruit of the Spirit, is that something that we gain because we're on this journey? Fruit cannot be humanly manufactured. It can, only, it can grow only organically as God gives growth. In this case, through life-giving energy of the Spirit. <clears throat> Everything I say is going to go right back to the Spirit. How are we going to get this joy? Because we're Spirit-filled. If we're seeking to get the Spirit in, these things happen just like a fruit tree. Doesn't Jesus say you don't go to a, uh, an olive tree and expect to get a fig? That'd be kind of weird. You know, you don't go to a zucchini bush and get an eggplant. He says the tree is what's bearing the fruit. So if you're bearing the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit, one of them, or part of it's going to be joy. So, now what? I've told you everything you need to know, right? We're going to walk again. I'm done early. That's what I heard. Finish early. The church will like you. <coughs> uh, the problem is, is, again, it's not that simple. It's not. Because we live in a fallen world. We live in a world out there that is trying its hardest to defeat us. And to defeat our joy. So I want to talk about a couple of barriers that you can see, and you can say these are things that in my life may cause me not to find this idea of joy. So the first one we have is going to be pretty simple. Sin. Sin robs you of joy. Okay, what was the first passage we talked about? Galatians 5.17, which said what? Sinful nature versus the spirit nature. So this whole idea of sin robs us of our joy. Have you noticed that? Maybe in your life? Maybe in people you know. If, they're, if you say someone's mired in sin, and they go, they really don't have a lot of joy. Yeah. Because you only can serve what? One thing at a time. Your, you know, your, your, your well in your heart's only so big. Your soul's only so big. It only can hold so much stuff. And when the sin is in there, there's no room for the Spirit. All right. What's the next one? Misplaced confidence. Okay. What do you mean? Well, what do I mean? Where do we put our confidence in? 
our job. When I get that good job, I'm going to be... When I get to retirement, I'm going to get... When I get to... I'm going to. Where's your confidence placed in? What does Paul say? He says, who do you put your trust in? And we're talking about joy. Where do we put it? Okay, I'm going to go to the next one. I'm going to come back to my scriptures here in a minute. This one doesn't make sense, does it to you? Does it really make sense? You're going to get joy where barriers is trials. Does that make sense? You know, yeah, when I have trials, I lose all my joy, right? You know, when I, when I wake up and there's a financial crisis, um, not this last week, but week before last, um, we were at the volleyball game, and the student body president at El Dorado was there, and they made an announcement, and they said, we're going to band together with Albuquerque High School because... One of their students this last weekend got in a car accident and was killed. That's a trial. Then, not more than about four days later, we get an email from the principal of El Dorado that says, we're going to be telling your kids today this, and we want you to know. There was a sophomore boy at El Dorado that went in for a procedure. Simple procedure. And I do think it was, he had his wisdom teeth taken out. And he did not make it, and he died. How do you do that with trials? How, what, what happens with your joy when you have these trials? What do we do? Let me give you a couple of areas which I think we can go on to. So the very next slide. Okay, as we, as we do those three things in order, number one, confess your sin and forsake it. I told you it's not as simple as leaving your, you know, it's hard out there, but that's what we have to do. Remember those habits that we talked about? We have to do those. We have to make that a habit. We have to understand that sin is what robs us. As we go back to Galatians, again, the sinful nature versus the spirit nature. We have to confess it. We have to admit there's sin in our lives. Now, does that mean it's over? No. I think it's not on the slide, but one of the things that I think that we are so thankful for is a little five-letter word starts with a G. It's called grace, right? I heard somebody mention it. It's called grace because we are going to sin. We're going to walk out of here, and some of you are going to sin on the way home. You won't even make it very far. But you know what? God says, my grace is sufficient. You're going to get home, and you're going to do something. You go, oh, and you're going to remember, my grace is sufficient. You're going to be at work this week. You're going to be at school this week. You're going to be doing whatever you're doing this week. And you're going to mess up. And you know what you're going to remember? God says, my grace is sufficient. But if we don't try to turn, the sin's going to stay. And it's going to rob us of our joy. The next one. We've got to trust in God. Either you trust in them or you don't. I know it's hard, but you've got to trust in them. Philippians 4, 4 says, I think you guys can quote this with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, what? Where was Paul when he wrote that? 
Hmm. Here's a guy in prison who says rejoice. Did he trust in God? I I mean, Roman prisons aren't like our prisons, okay? He may have been under house arrest, but house arrest is not like our house arrest, okay? He was not in a good spot. And he says, you know, I got to rejoice in God. I have to trust in God to make this work. Romans 15, 12 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me read that to you one more time. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, what did I say I'm going to go back to every single time? How are we going to get that joy? By the Spirit. That's what Paul says. When you trust in God, He's going to give you the Spirit, and that Spirit is going to help you get that joy. The next one. This is a fun one. This is my favorite one. I'll still Clint. This is my favorite one. You need to have a heaven perspective. Where's your perspective? What are you looking for? What are you hoping for? The end of the week? It's the weekend. So is your life dealt with living toward the weekend? Is your life dealt with, man, vacation's coming up. I can't wait for vacation. And I do enjoy vacation. Believe me, I do. Is it, I just, I want this day to be over. Where's your perspective? I thought of a song. Clint didn't, didn't sing it today, but I thought of it. I didn't think about it until last night, about 1130. Um, it's an old song, and you guys, if you've been around forever, you'll know this song. It says, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My troubles are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Where's your perspective? What are you shooting for? What did Paul say? Where did Paul want to be? He said, for me to live is... Christ. And for me to die is gain. So where would he rather be? He didn't say to live is gain. (laughs) He said to die is gain. For him, heaven was where he wanted to be. And until he got there, he was going to have joy and hope in this world. Where's your perspective? Is it here or is it heavenward? And the last one. Again, I don't understand it. Give thanks in all circumstances. I don't understand that one. Does that make sense to you? Give thanks always? Okay, let's read a couple of scriptures. They're not going to come up here. Okay, James 1, 2. (sighs) Consider it pure joy. Okay, that's how he starts this sentence. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. How many want to go have a talk with James? And say, James, I think you got it wrong. Consider it pure joy when I don't have trials of any kind. But that's not what he said. He said, said, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. He says it's not easy out there. Why do you think you get joy? It's through the things. So we can just say James maybe was a little nut because if he was the brother of Jesus, maybe he was jealous of Jesus and he was the big guy, so we can ignore him, right? Except, what did Peter say? In 1 Peter 4.12, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering. 
as though something strange were happening to you. Peter says, are you thinking this wasn't going to happen? Weren't you listening? But rejoice. There's that term again. Rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. It's kind of combining the last two things. He says, you're, if you're going to have sufferings, yeah, and so rejoice in it. Give thanks in all circumstances. And that's extremely hard. And we got people here who have talked about that. Uh, there's an Old Testament passage I want to read to you out of Isaiah. And this, one, this one's really a cool one when, when you think about it. Because it's Isaiah. And you remember when Isaiah was, was being a prophet. He says, The ransomed of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, but sorrow and sighing will flee away. He says, you're going to be taken away. There's joy is coming. Another way to phrase to put this, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. You ever heard that phrase? It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Trials are going to come. They're going to be here. And unless you can figure out how to rejoice in them, and how do you do that? You trust in God. You have a heaven perspective. And you try to get rid of the sin in your life. And you confess it. And you go to Him. That's a journey. That's not tomorrow. That's a journey. Just as a tree grows slowly, we're in this path. And what does grace do? What is grace? It is sufficient. A quote that I want to read you. We're almost done. It says, Real love always heals fear and neutralizes egotism. And so as love grows up in us, we shall carry about ourselves less and less and admire and delight in God and His children more and more. And this is the secret of joy. Where are you looking at? If you're trusting in God... If you're seeing the heavenly perspective, this secret of joy is going to come. And you're going to realize it one day, oh, I have joy. When did that happen? I don't know if I always got it all figured out. But a couple of things that I do, maybe it helps. Every day I get up, and you can ask people, they say, what's today like? I say, it's a beautiful day. I said, no matter what, I say, it's a beautiful day. So I live in the desert. <laughs> if it's sunny, it's a beautiful day. If it's raining, it's a beautiful day. When you don't get much rain, rain's beautiful. I said, how, how can you beat that? But every day is a beautiful day. So a few years back, oh, four or five years ago, I was teaching a class in Cincinnati for work. I was teaching a class on help our people to be teachers. Okay? So, but I would say, how was today? I said, it's a beautiful day. And one of the students stopped me and says, do you really believe that? Well, that's a fair question, right? If you say it's a great day and you don't mean it, then it's a fair question. They said, do you mean it? I said, well, let me tell you. Our preacher a few years ago, his wife, and Donna actually mentioned it today. I, she didn't know I was going to be in the sermon today. Um, she was 42, young kids, developed cancer. And she didn't make it. And left some babies at home. My wife's best friend got breast cancer. 
She's doing fine. She recovered fine, living a great life. Yeah, I told him, I said, I think today is a beautiful day because we're here. And they went, oh, I see your point. Yeah. What's your perspective? What is your perspective and how you want to do it? I saved the key idea till last. So this is what I can leave you with. Despite my circumstances, things we can't control, they're outside our influence, left to others, things I can't do, I feel inner contentment and understand my purpose in life. Isn't that what Paul said to the Philippians? He knows what it is to have need. He knows what it is to have plenty. But through Christ, he can do all things because he gives me strength. Joy, is it something that you're just going to walk out the door and have? I hope so. I hope you have it in your life. I know there's something out there that's trying to rob it from you, who's trying to take it away from you. So every week when we come back here and look at these fruit of the Spirit, are you Spirit-filled? What are you doing to be Spirit-filled? If you have these barriers to joys, realize them. We all have them. I have them. We all put blocks. Satan puts blocks in our way so that we're not joyous. I mean, he'd rather have a bunch of sour, grumpy-looking people out here saying they have to be at church on Sunday than people who are joyous because they're saved out there. You get that? He would rather have sour, grumpy-faced people in here than joyous people out there. And our job is out there. Joy is a great thing. It makes life a whole lot easier. <laughs> Doesn't it? Wouldn't you rather be joyous than grumpy? Yes? That's what this fruit of the Spirit brings. The core practice that we have today is being Spirit-filled and allowing the joy to work in our lives. Well, right now we're going to enter a time of prayer. I don't know, I don't know what you need right now. I don't, I don't know what's important in your life. I don't know what struggles you're having. But we all have them. We all have them. And we as a body, what we do is we gather around one of the people and we pray for them. Some of the elders will be down front. If you need something, come down here. If you know someone needs something, go pray with them. If you have a friend next to you, if you know someone that needs to pray, go pray for them. Because if we're going to believe these core practices of being spirit-filled, this is what we do. I guess more importantly, it's who we are. I want to lead you in prayer now. And then Clint will have a song with the praise team for us. So, Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you much for loving us. Thank you so much for caring for us. Father, we know that only in you can we find joy. Only in you can we find true happiness. Father, let us be that light to the world so that we are able to lift others up to you. Father, we love you very much, and it's through your Son's name that we pray. Amen.